Morning, how are you? Great to see all of you. Thank you for being here and honoring our, our seniors. Kind of weird two weeks here. Last week we were dedicating babies to the Lord, and this week we were celebrating graduates who are going on to change the world. And I'm really proud of this class of seniors. They have been superstars, and I, I believe great things are in store for them, don't you? Maybe not. Let me, let me ask that again. I believe that there's great things in store for them. Amen. 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 And so uh, appreciate you being here, moms and dads, and our middle schoolers are outside. The next year's champions outside making us some poblita con chil, no, conchita poblil. Is that it? I'm making it up. Marinated pork. I will spin out and get quickly through this message, but great to have you here. Welcome. Uh, and I just want to thank all the parents that got those kids there, and teachers, and uh, everything, man. It's just so fun to, to see their lives and think about my life back when I was graduating from Moffat County High School, 1986. How many of you remember that? Long time ago, long time ago. But uh, anyway, today we are continuing the little series we started a month ago called Spring Cleaning. Um, basically, over this last month, we've been asking God to uh, do a little cleaning up in our hearts, just as kind of over the winter and as the snow melted, we saw a lot of trash and garbage out on the roads and in our yards and in our closets and in our garages. Uh, it's, it, this is a good time for us to kind of clean up all that stuff that we maybe have collected over the last few months or years. Psalm 139, King David, the great King David prayed this prayer. He said, search me, O God, know my heart, test me. And know my anxious thoughts, those thoughts that are not uh, good for me, are not helpful. Point out anything in me that offends you. That's a, that's a bold prayer. God, look at my heart. Tell me what's there that you don't like and lead me along the path of everlasting life, which is what we want. And we've been doing the same thing as David uh, did there. We've been uh, asking God to clean our hearts. And uh, what we're finding is, is that those small things that get kind of into our hearts that can really cause us to get off track. Um, a few weeks ago, we talked about ditching those feelings of inadequacies and insecurities that kind of hold us back from stepping up and stepping into what God has for us. Um, uh, then we talked about dumping shame, that shame monkey that gets on our backs. Many of you old former Catholics just kind of carry a shame cloud with you. Many of us do for failures in our life, and, we, and God never ever wanted us to live in shame. It was never part of his intention, and it's not something that he gives us. Uh, we talked a little bit about lust, and that was a heavy one. Last week, my wife, Julie, uh, boy, she wonderfully challenged us to deal with the disappointment that we often feel with God. Many of us have feelings of, we may not even be aware of how disappointed we are with God for not allowing this to happen or answering this prayer or, or this falling apart. And so she talked about that. Wasn't that good a message last week? Amen? Yeah, man. If you didn't, if you missed it, go back and do it. That may be the one of this series. And so today, though, what we're going to do is we're going to talk about laying down our need for approval. That, that, that spirit of people-pleasing that gets in us. And we're going to talk about laying down our need for approval. Um, is, that o is that okay with you guys? Can we do Do you like my idea? More importantly, do you like me? Why don't you say this? Say, I love Pastor Troy. Oh, good. Okay, good. Okay. Well, today we are going to lay down <laughs> that need for approval. And I have that in me. If you've hung out at our church, you know that there's a little bit of me. Uh, for much of my life, if I was to honest with you, be honest with you, I've desperately struggled uh, with the idea of seeking people's approval uh, from others. And as long as I can remember 
It's been there. I remember as a little kid, always just kind of wanting to get approval. Uh, I remember being in peewee wrestling, walking onto a mat as a peewee wrestler. I don't know how old I was. Did you, there, you, Julie found a picture of me. You might be wondering what that C stands for. It does not stand for crusher, because I know that's intimidating to look at across the mat. Is, uh, is it meant Craig, Craig Colorado, peewee wrestling. And I remember walking out onto the mat and wrestling, and uh, all I could think uh, was, my dad is watching me. My dad is watching me, and I have to win. I have to win. Because my dad had shared with me uh, about him wrestling in high school and how much he enjoyed that, and, uh, and I knew that it was important to him, and so I wanted him to be proud of me. I wanted to be, clearly I didn't have the body or the strength of a wrestler <laughs> but, or the quickness or any of that, but I wanted him to be a proud of me, and so I, I got in that funky weird singlet and uh, got out there in front of people and got beat. But I just wanted my dad to be a proud of me, and of course he was. He loved me regardless, but I had a little bit of a warped idea of how to get his love, and I thought that, boy, if I could just do good in wrestling, then he would love me. And then that carried on to high school, middle school. I was always trying to make people like me, uh, try to, uh, in fact, um, it, it was this pressure. I, I wasn't very good academically. If you've hung out at this church for any amount of time, you know that that's true. But I was really into the social scene. It was really important for me to get people like me. And so uh, the pinnacle of my high school career was when I was awarded class clown of the class of 1986 of Moco High. Uh, and, and I won most radical, too. That's a word, remember radical, rad? I was, I was rad and I was class clown. Why? Because all I did was walk around those halls trying to make people laugh, trying to make people life, laugh, have, you know, like me. I would do crazy stuff. I was, I was Jojo the Indian Circus Boy, and I was just a nut. Like anything that I could get people to dig me. And, uh, and I remember talking to my dad at the end of my high school career and showing him my report card with a C-minus average. And then he'd like going, man, that's not good. And I said, but dad, I got class clown. He's like, your mother and I are so proud of you, son. <laughs> but, and, and then this continued into my 20s. Uh, I became a follower of Christ. I've told you that in, at 21. And uh, at 23, I became a part-time youth pastor. And I remember uh, intentionally showing up at the church before anybody else every day. It's only part-time, but I wanted to beat the pastor there, and I would be there at the church before them. And then I would purposely hang out and stay so that I could be the last one at the church. And I wanted those people to look at me and go, man, that guy, he loves Jesus, man. He is committed to ministry, and he's committed to God, and, and we like that young man. It was just this compulsion that I had. And, uh, and now, uh, fortunately, you know, 30 years later, after all these years, I don't struggle with this anymore, except for every day, and on days when I teach, uh, and especially on days that I teach after my wife taught the weekend before. Oh my gosh, I can't tell you how many texts I got from people this week going, oh, Julie did a great job. Julie's, Julie hit a home run, you better watch out. <laughs> Julie's such a wonderful speaker, she's so insightful and, and, and funny and encouraging. And I'm, I'm like, gosh, man, I don't know why you feel like you have the need to tell me how good my wife is. I know how good she is. I married her. What I need, yeah, what I need, what I need is for you to tell me how good I am. As you know, I'm always looking for that uh, approval from you. And, 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 and it's weird. It's still there a little bit with this. And my insecurities get out of me. But, uh, you know, like 
it, it happens often. I'll, I'll leave like today. We'll go out to lunch or I'll maybe see some of you at a restaurant. I'll run into some SEZ people there and they'll go, hey, Troy. And I'll come up and go, hey, guys, what's going on? And as you're telling me what's going on, I'm not listening to you. I'm thinking in my mind, I wonder how they like my message today. And so when you get done telling me whatever's going on, I'll go, oh, well, what'd you think of church today? And some of you will go, oh, 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 yeah, church was great, man. Oh, the worship, the music was awesome. And you'll just go on and on, that band, and, and I'm like, oh, yeah, and the graduates, that was cool. That was really great seeing those guys. And I'm like, yeah, that was, that was great. Was, was there anything else that was good about the message, about today? And they'll finally get the, oh, yes, Pastor Troy, your message was great. I'm like, oh, good, good. You like my message? Yeah. yeah. Well, what was your favorite part? And then they'll, you know, they'll say, oh, uh, yeah. it was all favorite. It was all favorite. The whole thing was our favorite, Pastor Troy. You know? I'm like, good. That's good to hear because I just want to help change people's lives. That's all I want to do. Anyway, so that's how it'll go. Every week, those kind of conversations kind of happen to me because I have this crazy need for your approval. And uh, I don't know, does anybody else, can anybody else relate to that? Anybody? Yeah, okay. Well, if not, um, my sense is that you might have more of this than you know. I've given you five signs here. Uh, I want to give you five signs that you may be longing for the approval of others. And I made some notes um, because I want you to test yourself on this, so pull those out. And I made some notes so that I could top Julie because she didn't have notes, and so I'm bringing it today, all right? (laughs) All right, so here it is. Number one. First sign that you might be longing for the approval of others, you worry about what others think about you. And when I say worry, I mean you worry. You literally kind of obsess and think about these kind of things. I mean, we all care what others think, and that's good, but sometimes we can go a little bit too far with this. Um, and, and it shows up in weird ways. Have you ever, you ever posted something on social media and then like 12 seconds later went back to see if anybody liked it yet? Yeah. You ever kind of went, oh, I wonder if someone commented on that yet. And then you, you look at it and go, oh, they look, they retweeted me. I've got a retweet. And praise God. Glory to God in heaven, man. I, I, somebody liked my little selfie. You don't, don't tell me. I know none of you, whatever. Or maybe, um, maybe your thing is more about how you look. You worry about how you look to a kind of a little, you know, more than maybe you should. Or what you wear, you know. Maybe going to church or going to an event, you have to lay out several little outfits on your bed. And I don't know about you, but my wife and I, we have a couple of games that we play at our home. Maybe you play these two. Like one of them is called, Does This Look Good? Have you ever played that game with your wife? I come out and I go, hey, does this look good? And she's like, yeah, it's pretty good. And then I'll come out a few minutes later, does this look better? And then we play that. That's just a little thing that we do. You know? uh, Julie, uh, she likes to play this one called Which Shoe? Gentlemen, have you ever played this one? So much fun. She will sit there and she'll come out with two different shoes on her feet and then she'll lift one of her feet and she'll go, which shoe? Do you like this one? Or do you like this one? And I'll look at it and go, I, um, I don't know. I don't know. And she'll go, okay, we'll do it again, but this time I'll go slower. Do you like this shoe? Do you like this shoe? Why? Because I want people to like me, right? And, and, and oftentimes, we'll just make these small little things a bigger thing than they need to, you know? Uh, maybe you have a friend come up to you and say, hey, man, are, Charlie, are you, are you feeling okay today? You know, you hear you cough or something, you feeling okay? And you're like, oh, 
What's wrong? Am I looking over? Just freak out because we make these bigger things. How many of you would say that you worry a little too much about what others think? Raise your hands if you would. Raise them up high. Okay. Now I want you to look at the people that don't have their hands raised and let's all agree that they're not raising their hands because they're worried about what we would think about them. Amen. <laughs> it's true. You're like, I don't want to. Just joking. Don't get offended. But that is kind of the second sign. The second sign that you might be longing for the approvals is you're often overly sensitive. You're easily kind of offended. And I can often get that way myself. A uh, hundred people could come up to me and say, man, I really liked your message. Uh, you see, I'm working this. I'm working that a little bit, but uh, don't do that. I'm not doing that. But a hundred people could say, man, that message is great. But one of you would give me a little criticism, and that's what I totally zoom in on for the rest of the week. I'm like, God, I'm an idiot man, I suck, I just blew it, I should have done better, I should have done this and that. It just works on my mind. A hundred people could say, oh, that's a perfectly good message, and just one person go, eh, and I'm just like, it's in my head. That's the one I focus on. Does anybody else? Yeah, okay. Um, We get overly sensitive. Maybe you've texted a friend or called a friend, and you're just weird about this, and they don't call you right back, or they don't text you right back, and you, you know, you're, you're just, you know, what's going on? And, 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 and you, you know, instead of thinking, oh, they're probably in a meeting or they're busy, you're just like, oh, my gosh, well, maybe did I go too far? Did I say something? Maybe there's a problem. Are we BFFs anymore? I don't know. You just weirded out because you're too sensitive. You're worried about that. If you've ever done that, just put a little check mark on your notes and we'll move on. Number three, this is a biggie. This is a sign. Uh, maybe you compromise your values. Maybe to get the approval of people, or to be liked by people, you compromise something. There's something that you deeply believe in and, can, and, and just is important to you, but you compromise it for the approval of others, to get along with others. Maybe you're a young lady and uh, you, know, you love God and uh, you want to honor God uh, with your purity and you, you, you hope to save yourself for marriage for your husband and you want to give him the gift of your purity, but then you get this ding-dong boyfriend and he's always whispering in your ear. He's like, I, I love you. I love you. I love you. And then one day he adds a little bit, I love you, and if you love me, we'll, uh, mm-hmm. And then that pressure just kind of builds, and then one day you, mm-hmm. And, you, and you, what, you, what have you done? You've compromised this value, this thing that's incredibly important so that perhaps uh, someone would like you or love you uh, to make them like you. Or maybe you're a dude, uh, and you hang out with your bros sometimes, and locker room after pickleball, whatever you do, and you're hanging out, and you're jamming, and, and uh, you know, someone starts telling jokes, and so you tell some jokes, and they start to get a little crude, and you start to find yourself using some language that you wouldn't normally do, and you know that that's not honoring your God, but you know what, like, you're, I'm, I'm just, it's funny, just being funny, I just want to fit in, and I don't want to be seen as the religious guy, and so you kind of, what do you do? You compromise your values, your relationship with God to make some people like you. Um, or maybe you believe in living debt-free. Maybe that's important. You want to live debt-free, you know, that that's not good, uh, and you want to manage your money and, and be a good steward of what God has given you, but you keep finding yourself buying stuff. You're buying stuff with, that you don't really need um, with money that you don't really have so you can impress people that you don't really know. Why? Because you're looking for approval from people. So check that box if that's you. Number four, here's one that probably resonates with most of us. You might long for people's approval if you hesitate in sharing your faith. You know, you, you, you find an opportunity where you could kind of throw something in there and you're like, you know, you genuinely believe that Jesus is the Son of God, um, that God raised him from the dead and that he is the hope of the world and that God has changed your life with that and, uh, and you've got this friend that's struggling and hurting and discouraged and feeling hopeless, and 
You want to you share with them this good news, this pearl of great price that you have found, but you don't because you don't want to be known as a Jesus freak, you know? And, uh, and so you never tell them about your Savior. Why? Because you care more about what other people think than you should, right? Last one, this is one that I think probably resonates with a lot of us. You might have an issue with approval if you have a hard time saying no. You have a hard time setting down boundaries and holding to those boundaries and saying no when you really feel like sometimes people, maybe someone comes up to you and says, hey, can you do this for me? And inwardly you're screaming, no, no, I cannot. I don't have time or I don't want to do that or I'm overwhelmed. I've got too much. But you, so you're like, no. But outwardly you're like, sure, uh, when, when do you need this, need this to be done? I'm sure I'd be glad to do it for you. Whatever. And you're just like, why do I do this? Because you have this guilt, this thing that's inside of you to please people. And so why do we do this? I think mostly it's because of our ego and it's insecure inside. We all have a place that we want to be accepted. Please like me. Please make me feel good about me. But here's the problem. If we're not careful, we will miss out on one of the most powerful truths and biggest dangers about people pleasing. And it's this. Put this up here if you would. Obsessing, think about this. This is true. Obsessing what people think about you is the quickest way to forget what God thinks about you. You're constantly thinking, what do they think? What does she think? What you're doing is, is you're edging out God and you're, 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 you're forgetting what God thinks about you and how God sees you. And th- there's this battle in our society right now over identity. Who are we? Who am I? Who are you? And we are who God says we are. And if we knew that, if we lived in that, it would change the way we live. Look at what Solomon said. He said this in Proverbs 29, verse 25. Wisest man who ever lived, he said this. The fear of man will prove to be a snare, but whoever trusts in the Lord, whoever follows the Lord, will be exalted. In other words, worrying about what other people think will be a trap. It'll be a a thing that'll just cause you to just keep doing things that you don't want to do. But following God, seeking God in your life, will ensure that you will be respected and honored and revered by people. It's interesting, the word uh, snare, the Hebrew word for snare in this little proverb is mokish. Everybody say mokish. And it means trap or hook, but more literally, it means it, it refers to the nose ring that they would put, that people put in the noses of large animals to pull them around. You ever seen like a picture of an ox or a bull with a ring in there? You ever seen that? Yeah. That's not decorative. <laughs> I know our society thinks that that's cool and hip and beautiful, but that was, that was uh, to help. All, all the owner had to do is throw a little rope through that nose ring, and they could pull that large, giant, powerful animal anywhere they want to go. And so when you and I live to, pe- live to please people, it's as if we're being led around by our nose. That we're, there, there, let me do Yes, I am. I have my finger in my nose. But I'm doing this as an illustration so you never forget. In fact, why don't you take a picture of me doing this right now? Some of you are like, I saw you last week at the parking, the, the light, stoplight, and you had your finger. No, I was just scratching it. I had a little itch. But, so, it, so I want to do this. So walking around, worrying about what other people like, it's like having this hook. And, and you walk around, and it's like, oh, um, do you like my new outfit? <laughs> Or, oh, do you like, you You would appreciate this, Leon. Do you like my new hair? I've got bangs now, yeah. <laughs> or do you like my, do you like my new car? Or do you like my new iPhone 14? It's got a new unlimited data plan. Oh, look, somebody 
tweet retweeted me already. Okay, sorry. I thought that would be a better illustration, but uh, that's kind of what it is like, being drug around by our nose trying to get people to please us uh, or to please people. Um, Solomon said, the fear of man will prove to be a hook, but whoever trusts in the Lord will be respected and not be caught with their finger in their nose. Here's the problem. At its core, people-pleasing is idolatry. That, that, That hits me hard. It is idolatry. It is, what is idolatry? Putting someone or something above God. And when I'm people-pleasing, I am putting the approval of people above the opinion of God in my life. And boy, that, that never works out really well. That never works out well. And so, how do we overcome this disease to please, this urge? Some of you have no problem with this. Charlie was telling me, I don't have a lot of problem with pleasing people. I have a problem judging people. So some of you aren't going, gosh, Troy, I hope you like me. You're looking at me going, gosh, I don't like you. So, but this applies to those of us who struggle with this need to be accepted and wanted. How do we overcome that? Let me give you two simple thoughts and then we'll pray and get out of here. Ready? These are things that I'm working on. Number one, we must focus on pleasing God instead of pleasing people. Simple. We should make our focus and our desire and our goal and our aim to please God and not people. We need to get to the point where we stop seeking the applause and the approval of many and instead are seeking the approval of one, of just one. Now, thinking about that makes me feel at ease, right? Uh, Paul said this in Galatians 1.10. He said, obviously, I am not trying to win the approval of people, but of God. Why? If pleasing people were my goal, I would not and could not be Christ's servant. That is an interesting thought. In other words, you can't live for the approval of people, and serve God at the same time. It'll be a disaster. Jesus said you can't have two masters. You need to decide who is boss. Who are you seeking? That approval of one or the approval of many? Um, And and that's a big moment that we all have to kind of come to and go, you know what, I'm going to serve God. Uh, I I remember years ago, um, probably one of the biggest moments in my life uh, was when I was in college. It was a decision that I made in college uh, I was going to University of Texas in Arlington, um, and I was studying history, and I was on the speech and debate team. But I was an out-of-state student, so I had really high tuition. And uh, someone told me about a scholarship that the, the speech and debate team offered one, one, one student, one member of the team. And, uh, and I was told that the coach and the senior members of the, the debate team would be the ones who would determine who would win that scholarship. And uh, I looked at the application, and, and I remember there's one question on that application that basically said this, what was the most significant event in your life? What was the most biggest event in your life, most significant? And as I read that question, I instantly knew what the answer was. It was, it was the moment that I asked Jesus into my life. I mean, no doubt, September 17th, 1989, I made a decision. I, I, I'm tired of being boss of my life. I'm giving it up, and I want to follow Jesus. I don't know a ton about him, but I'm going to give this a shot. And that was the best decision I ever made. Made me almost puke when I made it and prayed that prayer. I'm like, God, what did I just do? But man, now looking back, it was the greatest decision and so much of my life. And it was just only about a year, year and a half before this moment where I had to answer this question that I, I did that. And so it was fresh and it was hot. And God had done so much in my life. He had blessed me in so many ways. He turned my life around, including getting me back to go to college after dropping out for a couple of years, right? 
But here's the thing. I knew that that coach was not a believer, and I knew that my, my fellow students, the team leaders, they were just typical liberal arts students who didn't believe in God either. And I knew that if I wrote that truth down, that I would probably ruin my chance to win the scholarship and, and be ridiculed for the rest of the, the, the speech and debate season. And so this question was, should I be bold and tell the truth about the one who changed my life, or should I play it safe? And I instantly came up with like three or four answers that would be more politically correct and probably would have worked fine. Uh, but I had this feeling that this was a big moment in my life, that there was something more going on here. Uh, and I, I wrestled with this idea. I think I should take a stand. Should I take a stand for what I believe in, or should I compromise? I knew that that was the, the question. And so I wrote down my truth, and I turned in the application. Now, your, your question is, is did, you win, did you win the scholarship or not? And the answer is, I'm not going to tell you. Because it doesn't matter. It, it, it doesn't matter. Looking back now, <laughs> that was a small, it was a big decision, but it didn't matter that much. And it didn't matter what those people thought of me either. I found that out. <laughs> what matters now is that I know that on that day, I made a decision that helped begin to move my life in the right direction. And I made a decision then that from then on, on any big decisions that I had to make, I was going to ask the question, is, am I, I'm going to focus on what God says rather than what people think. Now, I don't do that in all my little decisions, as you know, but in big decisions, I'm going to go, what does God say rather than what does the crowd say? And I have found taking the narrow path, taking that narrow path has blessed me so many times. I have... My journey, I don't regret any of those big decisions. God has blessed me and opened doors and have taken me places and allowed me to do things that I, I don't regret at all. And so um, it's a tr here's a truth that has revolutionized my life. Maybe it'll help you, and that is this. I can't please everyone, but I can please God. I can't please everyone, but I can please God. I mean, have you ever tried pleasing everyone? You will wear your little cute little buns out trying to please everybody and run around, but you can't do it. I've, I've worn clothes that, you know, I thought, you know, some people would like, but they, and others didn't, or I've, I've had a car that I, like, some people liked and other people didn't. I've, I've listened to music that I like and that some people like, but other people don't like. I've made choices. I've taken a stand morally on, on a couple of issues that a few people agree with and that many, many people disagree with. And I've realized I just can't please everyone, but I can please God. In fact, if, 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 you're, if you're married and your marriage right now is struggling right now and you're trying to win her heart back and you're trying to please her and please her and please her, that might work. But I'll tell you what, a better plan is to please God. If you will wake up every day and say, God, what do you have me to do today? How can I love my wife better? How can I work on me better? If you will please God, my sense is that she'll follow and the same is true, opposite. You can't please everyone, but you can please God. In fact, would you, would you just say that with me? Ready? I can't please everyone, but I can please God. In fact, say it like you mean it. Ready? One more time. I can't please everyone, but I can please God. That's just freeing. I'm living for the audience of one. I can do that, or I can, I can aspire to that, and it's freeing brings peace to my heart thinking about it. 
And so, how do we overcome this need, this disease to please? Number one, we focus on pleasing God instead of people. And number two, if you can get this, this will change your life. It's a little nuanced, but it's good. It is this. We should live from the approval of God instead of for the approval of people. We need to live out of and from God's approval of us. You may not know this, but if you're a follower of Jesus, um, God approves of you. His stamp, his fingerprint is on you. You are his child. And he approves of you, not because of what you've done, but because of what Jesus did on the cross for you. We are approved because of that. Not, we'll never be good enough. But God approves of you and I because of what Jesus has done for us on the cross. And so subsequently, we live, we are able to walk, we are able to do what God calls us to do from the approval that God has for us instead of for the approval of people. Paul said it this way in 1 Thessalonians 2.4. He said, we are not trying to please people, but God. On the contrary, look at this, he says this, we speak as those who are approved by God, who are approved by God to be entrusted and who have been entrusted with the gospel. Catch that? We are approved by God. God loves us and God accepts us just as we are and he entrusts us. He entrusts us with spreading the greatest message, the greatest news that's ever been told, that human ears have ever heard, the most incredible thing, God's plan to redeem humankind back to him, started in the Garden of Eden. For ages, God has been working this out, and the gospel, God has entrusted you and I to bring that to the thing, that even though we are sinful, and Jesus was sinless, and Jesus came to seek and save the lost, right? And he, he died on a cross for our sins, and God raised him from the dead on the third day. And anyone who believes in him, this is my experience in September 17th, 1989. I said, today, I believe that God raised Jesus from the dead, and I accept him as my Lord and Savior. And everything changed. He said that when those who call on his name shall be saved. It was that simple. That's it. That's all I've got to do is just believe that God raised him from the dead and I can have a relationship with my creator. God, yes, sign me up. That is the greatest news that the world has ever heard. That's the gospel. And you and I have been approved by God to share that with this world. We are plan A for that and there is no plan B. This is it. Everything that God has been doing for centuries is about getting that message to this world. And it's on you and I. He has approved us to bring that to this world. But when you and I become more concerned about what people think, what they think about us, what are they going to say, we become basically useless in that endeavor. And the gospel does not get shared. And God's heart is broken. And so here's the bottom line. God doesn't see you based on what you've done. He sees you based on what Jesus did, Right? Your worth isn't based on what you've done or what people say about you. Your worth is based on what Jesus did and what God says about you, how God sees you. I want to say that again. Your worth, your value, your approval from your Heavenly Father isn't based on what you have done or what people say about you or think about you. It's based on what Jesus did and what God says about you. And so we should live from the approval of our Heavenly Father rather than for the approval of people. 
And so the big question that you and I have to ask is then, who am I? Who does God say I am? How does God see me, right? How does God see me? And I've put together a list on your notes here of 10 things that God says about you, how God sees you in case you've forgotten or you don't know. And you can take this home and think about it, meditate it. Jesus said this, before I get into it, Jesus said this, think about this. Jesus said, you shall know the truth and the truth shall what? Set you free. You'll know the truth. The truth about what? The truth, you'll know, if you, when you know the truth, think about this, when you know the truth about how God sees you, about who you really are and how he sees you and what he says about you, when you know that truth, you'll be set free from all the weirdness and insecurities and people-pleasing and, oh my gosh, oh my gosh, you can walk out of here just with a new lease on life. You won't care. You'll be able to live free knowing how God sees you. It'll change the way you life. So how does God see you? Who are you? Number one, Romans 1, 7 says that you are greatly loved by God. There's no doubt about it. For God so loved the world that he gave his one son that whoever believes shall uh, have eternal life. God loves you. Ephesians 1, 7 says that you are forgiven. Someone needs to hear that right now because you're like, I don't feel forgiven. It doesn't matter if you feel forgiven. God says you are forgiven. If you've confessed your sins, God is faithful and just to forgive you of all unrighteousness and that as far as the east is from the west, God will remove your transgressions from you. God doesn't see your sins when he sees you. They're gone. You are forgiven. He has forgotten about them. They've been cast into the sea of forgetfulness. 2 Corinthians 5.21 says that you are the righteousness of God in Jesus. When God looks at you, he sees the perfection of Jesus. He sees how Jesus was without sin. He sees the perfection and the glory of his son when he looks at you. You are the righteousness of God in Jesus. 1 Corinthians 5.17 says this, that you are a new creation in Jesus Christ, that the old you, when you come to the Lord, the old you, prior to September 17th, 1989, I was Troy Lewis from Craig, Colorado. After September 17th, 1989, I was a new creation. I wasn't just a new and improved version of the old Troy. I was a completely new creation. I wasn't like the brand new Chrysler Cordova 2023 model. No, 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 no. I was like a vehicle that had never been invented before. Never been seen before. Because why? Before, I was a creature destined for destruction. And now, I am a creature that is destined for eternity and glory. Those are two different things, my friend. And that's who we are. That's how God sees us. We are eternal creatures. We are, we are new creations in Christ. Ephesians 2.10 says that you are God's masterpiece. He looks over you every day as you're sleeping in your bed. And he's just like, man, I love that little monkey. I love this one. He's, he's a little weird. He's a little chubby. But I love him. He's a nut. But he's my nut. Amen? That's how, that's how God talks to me. I don't know how he talks to you. I am God's masterpiece. You are more than a conqueror through Christ Jesus. You're going through something right now. You're like, I don't know. I don't know if I can do it. You are more than victorious. You are more than a great warrior. You have it. Who gives you strength. Jesus Christ Gives you strength. Uh, what's the next one? Romans 8, 11 says this. I love it. That you are filled with the same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead. If you don't get anyone, get this one. You may be sitting in your situation and going, it is dead. It is over. This marriage, I can't bring it back. My life, I can't get it back. I don't know what to do. No, no, no. 
the Bible tells us, Romans 8, 11 says that the same spirit that raised Jesus' dead body from the grave is inside of you. Do you walk in that awareness? Are you even aware that that's in you? The power of the resurrection is flowing in you. Everywhere you go, you are bringing life to situations without even opening your mouth. Just coming, some of you just walk down, down the core trail and as you walk along, tulips start blooming behind you <laughs> and trees are blooming. I mean, in the spiritual realm, that's what's happening if you could see it. You have that same spirit. Everywhere Jesus went, he brought dead back to life. That same spirit's inside of you. Walk in that awareness. Walk in that understanding. Romans 8, 17 says that you are a joint heir with Jesus, that everything that God gave to his son Jesus, he will give to you, that we are joint heirs. We will inherit everything that Christ had at his disposal. We have. Um, Matthew uh, 5, 14 says that you are the light of the world, that wherever you go, you're like, well, I'm not much. I'm, some people don't think I'm, I'm kind of shy. You are a light. Wherever you go, you're bringing light into the darkness. You're changing the atmosphere. Whether you open your mouth or not, just your presence there is bringing illumination to things and to people because of the light that's inside of you. 2 Corinthians 5.20, and this is the last one, is that you are Christ's ambassador. This is how God sees you. What is an ambassador? An ambassador is the highest ranking diplomat sent from one country to another. That's who you and I are. We have been sent from another world to be in this world. We're not from this world. We live in this world, but we are not from this world. We are sent from another world. We are part of a different kingdom. And we are here to represent that kingdom, and more specifically, that king to this world that's looking for a king, that's looking for a good king. You and I, in other words, no longer represent ourselves. I'm an ambassador. I don't just represent me. I represent someone else. And so worrying about what you think of me is a waste of time and energy. Uh, the question is, is, and the only thing that I should worry about, and the only thing that matters is, am I accurately and consistently representing Jesus and his love and care for people? That's my worry today. Worried about what you think of me, my outfit, how I'm looking, am I behaving? Am I representing Jesus in some way and his love and care for people to you accurately? The Bible tells me that I'm no longer my own. I have been bought at a price. Jesus died for me and he purchased and he ransomed my life and I'm his, right? And so my pronouns are no longer um, me, or mine, or my. I don't use those. My pronoun is simply his. I am his and I live for him. And your opinion of me is none of my business. Isn't that good? Your opinion. I, I want you to like me, and I like it when you clap when I say a good thing. <laughs> Don't get me wrong. But your opinion of me is none of my business. His approval is my only concern. That's my truth today. I hope that encourages you. Let me pray with you, if you would. Bow your heads and your hearts, and maybe this resonated with you. Maybe this isn't yours. That's okay. We'll get you next week. <laughs> But Heavenly Father, I just come to you right now and we ask that your spirit would do a healing work in our souls. It is so easy for us to become people pleasers because we like people and, and, we, and we, feel, we can feel that instant gratification. 
But, uh, but I pray that you would help us to, to be more focused on living for you and you alone, okay? Now, maybe some of you are here and you're like, man, Troy, I'm a little like you. I worry a little too much about what others think. I find myself having a hard time saying no and holding certain boundaries. I kind of get walked over. There's maybe a codependency thing. I'm just, I'm in this thing. You know, or, or maybe you would agree, you know what, I don't always share my faith when I want to. I, I, it's, not a, it's not a requirement. It's a privilege to share this incredible thing that we have found and we talk ourselves out of it. And so if you're like that, you're like, I want to live for an audience of one. I want to live from God's approval. If that's you, would you just raise your hand just as a sign to God? Yeah, yeah, some of, okay, cool. Thank you. Father, I pray for those who have their hands lifted right now that you would, number one, forgive us for the, gift, the, the sin of idolatry, that we have put others above you. We have put your creation above our creator. Remind us who we are, Lion King. Remember who you are. That's Mufasa. That's our father speaking to us every day. Remember who you are. Remember whose you are. Who has called you? Remind us, when we remember who we are, we'll know what to do. Rather than go eat grubs and swing on vines and jump off waterfalls, once we remind ourselves that we are the king of the jungle, we'll know what to do. We are your ambassadors, and we are, we are here to represent you. And so, God, I pray that you would empower us to boldly share our faith and to share your goodness to this world that's so desperate for hope, God. Help us to live for you and one, an audience of one. We can't please everyone, but we can please you, and that's our goal today. Help us to do that, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen.